This is Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, Koto listeners. You are tuned into Off the Record is Julia Caulfield from the news team. I'm your host this evening. We have two guests in studio. We're going to have some more joining virtually in a little bit. And we are here this evening to be talking about mountain film. It's already right around the corner. Yep. (laughs) Two weeks, two weeks, two and a half weeks away and counting. You might recognize those voices. We have festival director Suzanne Barraza and mountain film executive director Sage Martin. Thank you both so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. We're honored to be here. So, I mean, big question. How are y'all feeling? (laughs) You have a huge festival you're producing in two weeks. We are are so excited. Um, It's the first time um, since 2019 that we've had a full festival. We kind of had a partial last year. So I think the team is just over the moon. You know, this is what we do. This is what we work for. And it's going to be such a beautiful festival. And the films are amazing. And the speakers are incredible. So we're all so pumped up and ready for it. Our guests are really looking forward to just being able to have that community and family again. Everybody's obviously been missing it, and we just keep hearing again and again, like, I can't wait to see you on Main Street, and just the reconnection, it's super important. Yeah. Well, so on that note, you just mentioned it was kind of, like, scaled back a little bit Mm -hmm. last year, although... I mean, just shout out to last year. Yeah. Y'all still pulled off. Well, we you pulled off it. an impressive festival. We had pods. But so can folks like everything is coming back full force? Pretty much. All yeah. the bits and bobs. Venues. Yeah. Yeah. We have our speakers, coffee talks, free range programs, ice cream social. So it's really, we're really back. And films in the park. Yeah. Everything is back. We're full force. That's amazing. Um, I know that, you know, y'all kind of go into the year with or each festival with a a theme or an intention on on what you're kind of the concept you're going around each year. Um, What can folks maybe expect from that in terms of this year and what the films are going for? Our theme this year, I think, would be um, community. There's not really a symposium theme. We decided to spread out the speakers through the entire weekend instead of focusing them all on one morning because um, people felt kind of like, oh, we only got to hear that amazing speaker for 15 minutes. So we have a a new series called Minds Moving Mountains speaker series, and it starts, it kicks off on Friday morning, and people can look forward to speakers all weekend long on many different topics, everything ranging from climate change to... Um, how threatened is American democracy to, you know, just um, all kinds of topics. Grist fixers. We, we just have a, a lot of different talks happening this year at the Transfer Warehouse for most of them, which is pretty exciting. Got some uplifting themes in there. Yeah. <laughs> the fall of democracy. Yeah. Yeah, climate change. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll make sure there's some fun ones, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that is, like, as you've said, so much of what folks love about this festival is the community aspect and getting to come together and have these conversations, right? It's so much of the, the films themselves, but then it's also really the, the people that you meet, the speakers that you get to hear, and um, kind of expanding your mind through all of yes. those conversations. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we're really, the festival's really about not just, it's about inspiration turning that into action. So that's really why we so carefully curate who's, going, who's coming to speak and what films we're showing. Yeah. How do, I mean, on that note, we can all see a movie, have it, you know, hit either our brain or our heart or our soul or whatever that looks like. But how do you go about thinking, okay, we don't want someone to just see a film and or have a conversation and be like, nice, did it. <laughs> Call <laughs> your congressman. <laughs> We're good. Right? But like, how do you, how do you, through the work that you do of putting the festival on, then hope to translate those interactions into something bigger, into an action? Yeah, 
that's a great question. Um, a couple of years ago, I guess it was pre-COVID, we started Take Action on our website. So when you watch a film, and a lot of films are associated with the nonprofit, the nonprofit is listed there. So it's on our website and it's also on our app. So if you're like, oh my gosh, this film changed my life and I want to get involved, you have a direct way to get connected and get involved so that we don't lose you know, that piece of that inspiration and people feel so amazing when they're here. We wanted to capture that and transition it into action and encourage people to get involved because that's really what, what we're all about is that next step. Yeah. yeah. And another thing that we do that I, I really love is on Monday morning, we have a special conversation called What Now? Mm-hmm. with Cheryl Strayed, who was our guest director in the past, obviously beloved author, um, and uh, Tom Shadiak, who's a director and brings students to the festival every year. And they kind of really help do that process. Like, okay, we've seen this. What, what should we do now? What, what can this film, what has what this film taught us? What is this speaker, what have we learned? What can we do directly right now? And I, I think that's kind of what sets Mountain Film apart from a lot of different festivals is, is that we really push that. It's and you're right. It's not just like sit back, watch a film, and you're complacent, and you're just kind of like, okay, well, the world's kind of to- toasted. You know, we're just like, okay, what are we going to do now? And it's part of our mission. You know, use the power of film, art, and ideas to inspire audiences to create a better world. So it has that next step in our mission as well. Yeah. What is? I'm assuming you're not going to say like the ice cream social, but I would fully support <laughs> it if you did. Um, mm-hmm. What is your favorite part about? being a part of Mountain Film and about the festival weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. That's a good one. I think, you know, what Suzanne started with, with the community piece year over year, there's a lot of people who come back to the festival every year and connecting with those people and they're sharing films that they loved and want to tell you about it and share that with you. And I think that, and also the Telluride community, about 35% of the people who attend are locals, people that we know. So that's really special and connecting with all those people in that context of watching something special or listening to a speaker. Um, I love that piece every year. It's really wonderful to see people and come out of a film and they're just like hugging and crying and so moved and yeah, that's, that's what we do it for. Just gonna... I'm gonna ditto, ditto that. Yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> give that the big ditto. <laughs> Perfect. Well, we're going to chat a little bit more throughout the hour, but we're actually going to start transitioning in. We have three film films, film crews that we're talking with throughout this hour. We're going to bring the first one up. We have Surf Nation. It's a world premiere. We're going to be talking with Jessica Chen and Jeremiah Bogert, who are part of the crew um, creating that film. So, Coda listeners, stay tuned in. We're going to be back in just one moment and we're gonna get this um get these conversations started thanks so much for tuning in guys up hello you are live on Kodo here in telluride colorado i am joined now via zoom by jessica chen and jeremiah bogart who are part of surf nation can you hear us okay yes yes perfect yes technology working (laughs) um (laughs) for jessica and jeremiah we are also joined in studio by suzanne braza and sage martin from mountain film so you might hear from them they can chime in with a question here or there as well but thank you so much for joining and being part of this program uh this evening we were mentioning y'all are part of surf nation which is going to be a world premiere at mountain film this year you know, starting off with a big question, but you can probably explain it better than I can. Can you give a, a brief um, overview of what this film is? Sh- 
Sure. Yeah. Um, we're, we're waiting for each, each of the other person to say it. Um, yeah. So, so Jessica and I realized or read in a magazine article that uh, China had opened up a surf academy to train people to one day compete for Olympic gold medals. So, you know, once the Olympics um, took surfing in as a sport, um, they started this academy. And surfing is as much culture as sport, and so we were both curious to see um, how a sport with a, a, some rebelliousness baked in would sort of exist in a structured environment like a sports academy in China. And we got in touch with, a, with the first coach, P.T. Townend, who lives here in Los Angeles, and were able to um, connect with this surf academy in China and made our first trip over there. Um, and... Jessica, you can take it from here for a minute. Yeah, we we went in not knowing if we really had access to the team or not. We got on a plane and showed up, um, telling them we were they welcomed us there. We didn't know what kind of access we would get with you know talking to the kids or what we would be able to cover. But over the course of two years, showed up again and again and um, built trust with the team and. Um, shot this documentary. I know. I thought that was a really um, interesting part in the film where one of the coaches was talking about how, like, we studied everything that you would need to do to become really good at surfing of, like, all the different pieces that almost as, you know, how do you teach and learn surfing kind of from a book in some ways of, like, what does this actually look like? I thought that was a really um, interesting dynamic when you do think of surfing as being this very individualistic kind of as you said Jeremiah culture and also kind of art within sport as well um, and you follow the the team itself but then also these two other surfers Alex and Lolo who are surfers in their own right outside of the um, the team why was why were those stories ones that you wanted to share in the film kind of separate from the the grander team picture i think we were both attracted to to alex right away because he was the best surfer in china and he sort of had a target on his back other kids in the academy wanted to do better than him but he also has such an interesting backstory he was raised in a very different way than a lot of people are his father was very hands-off and, and let him sort of learn things as he went. And, you know, his father said, you don't have to go to school after age six if you devote yourself to surfing, which, as Alex says, is every kid's dream. But so he, he was someone who right away sort of embraced the individualism and sort of the rebelliousness of the sport. And so he was pretty interesting um, from that perspective. Yeah, and, and in terms of Lolo, uh, she was just, it was just very clear that from the first time we met her uh, that she felt surfing was her passion and she was really open about how her parents, what her parents thought of her as a surfer. She told us that, you know, my parents have said, like, if you become a surfer, you're going to be poor and tan, which is funny because being tan in Chinese culture is just not seen as a good thing. But um, Lolo was someone who, um, you know, her love for the sport is what led her down the path to joining the team and ultimately what led her to leave because the regimen of the training was killing her love for the sport. She didn't feel it was about surfing anymore and um, took a step in into a direction of the unknown. And that takes a lot of courage to pursue a lifestyle that knowing your parents don't approve or knowing that society doesn't see it as successful. And I think that's something that anyone around the world can completely connect and relate to. Right. Yeah. I thought the kind of three storylines in some ways of you have the team that is very regimented and like going for the gold. And then you have Alex, who's this 15 year old who there was a scene when an interviewer was trying to get him to say like, but you want to go to the Olympics, right? And he's like, I don't care about going to the Olympics because he has this whole other competition that that's what he cares about winning. And then Lolo, who's so much of like, it's the passion of the sport. It doesn't matter where you do it or how you do it. It's the love of being in the ocean. I thought those were really cool. Um, kind of three different storylines within the same story, really. Um, 
what do you feel? I mean, I guess opinion of like, do you think that the model that the Chinese surfing team is using, like, do you think it works? Does it get the results that, that they're hoping to get? I think that it will eventually. In the beginning of the film, um, Mr. Lee, one of the officials from Beijing, gives a, a very highly nationalistic and pressurized speech. So I think that puts a lot on the kids' shoulders in terms of this pressure to win a gold medal. But this other coach, Moyu, reminds us halfway through the film that the most important thing is to be happy. And you're not going to succeed unless you're, you're happy while you're doing it. And we found that the kids really were happy, you know. Um, and so I think ultimately if you're surfing every day and you have enough people there that prioritize being happy, they'll make progress and there'll be great surfers coming out of China. Just to add to that too, there are hundreds of kids surfing in Hainan and they've been picked from um, other sports academies. Like they might, might not, they were swimmers or divers. So a lot of these kids come to Ryu Bay to train and surf and they participate in these intramural national competitions where if they get in the top eight, that means they get paid a bonus in their salaries or, um, you know, these awards, all the, all these things mean something in China. So for a lot of young kids, this is a really good opportunity. And even if they don't become Olympic surfers, all of these, um, these awards mean something. So they could maybe get a scholar, a sports scholarship to go to university or um, become a coach later on in life. So whether it's their passion or a, a way to lay out a future career, this is sort of a structured way to to get um, kids to develop a, an interest in the sport and kind of pave the way for them. What was that like talking with these young people who are maybe coming from other sports and maybe coming from other water sports, but haven't really done surfing before? What was that like talking with them as they're at the very beginning of their journey of like, I don't know, I've been surfing once and it did not go great. You know, it's like, it's a hard thing to do. So what was that? What were those conversations like as they're kind of discovering what surfing is? I think some kids might consider it to be a, a hard, like kind of a job. I think other kids really develop a love and a passion for it. And that comes through as Jeremiah said, more you really instilled in them or, or wanted them to love the sport to actually have passion for it. Cause that's, um, the only way he could see them continuing on and, and becoming really good at it. And something I'd like to add here too is that um, Jessica's referring to, to Ryu Bay and Hainan, and it's it's become sort of a gathering place for people in the academy who are teenagers, but also for 20-somethings from all over China who don't want to work in offices necessarily and don't want to live those traditional lives. So... I wasn't alive in Malibu in 1962, but I think there's sort of some parallels here to, to that. And I think some of the younger kids on the team would look up to these 20-somethings and be like, hey, I'm one of the cool kids. I, I like being here. Something that really yeah. struck me with a film that I just found really lovely and fun is, you know, you think of China and surfing as almost being completely at odds with each other because surfing is like this highly individualized sport and very you know, super organic and everybody kind of goes their own way. And then you have this sort of Chinese structure of sport. And and that was one of the things that I just loved about the film so much is that it just really pushed and, and you just ha got to think about things in such a different way. So I can't wait for uh, Mountain Film audiences to see this film. Well, we're so pleased to be a part of Mountain Film. So we're, we're, we can't wait for the screening and we're, we're really honored to be a part of it. The community is going to be rolling out the red carpet for you all. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're think, talking about uh, the filming of it, I will also say that for folks who enjoy watching surfing, there's mm -hmm. some really like beautiful surf moments um, to get to see in the film. How, how do you do that? How do you film surfing as a sport? We, we, we brought in professionals um, with a water housing and a, and a red camera. Um, Jamie Alec was the guy who shot a lot of um, Avatar, I believe. And so he 
we hired him to come out with us for a day and film Alex surfing Black's Beach and Trestles in Cal- when he was in California. So, um, yeah, very, very skilled professionals. <laughs> the, the other thing we sort of did was a lot of the, fil- the footage in China is um, sort of half submerged in and out of the water camera angle. So you're at a very low angle, which, which we sort of wanted to create a mood, especially around Lolo and, and around some of Alex's down moments after he doesn't do well in competitions. And so it's more interpretive than, you know, filming an event like, you know, a specific sporting event. We could sort of have more latitude in creating mood that way. Yeah, I thought that was, you know, you watch the film and there's obviously some like peak moments of competition that the kids are really going for and wanting to do well. But but that isn't, at least how I saw the film, (laughs) you know, isn't so much, that's not the main storyline. It's not one, you know, building up to one major huge tournament. It is the story of, how these young people are going about um, the the really exciting elements, the challenges, um, and and the beauty of of learning this new sport, and yeah, hopefully finding a love for it, but also in this really maybe different than we would anticipate um, way to learn how to surf and how to move forward with that. Um, well, we are, it's wild how fast these conversations go, <laughs> but Jeremiah and Jessica, thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes to chat. I would love if you have any final thoughts on, um, the film or for our listeners before you take off. Um, and yeah, as Suzanne said, I know everyone's excited to have you or have the film in Telluride. Here's one final thing for me. I have, I have three kids. Um, and so they, they're in their early twenties. So when I got to China, I sort of realized I'm looking at a, I'm, you know, filming a bunch of kids who were going through things like my kids. And then my children all watched the movie and they said, Dad, you didn't make a surf movie. You didn't make a movie about China. You made a movie about people like us. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. And, and as Jeremiah said, we would go to China. And for me, just seeing young Chinese kids surfing on waves, I walked away with this like inspiration because I just had never seen something like that before. And it was so unique and different. Um, and so that was a feeling that I took from it and wanted to put in the film. Yeah. Well, thank you again, both so much for taking a couple minutes to join us on Kodo and congratulations on the film. And yes, we'll see I, you in two weeks. Yeah. yeah. See you soon. <laughs> we'll see you thank soon. You. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks y'all. All right, that was Jessica Chen and Jeremiah Bogert of Surf Nation. Great film. Yeah. Highly recommend for folks. We're going to be um, at Mountain Film either um, in person, and then there's also going to be the online piece of the festival that we can maybe touch on a little bit more at the end. Um, we're going to put a little bit more music on, folks. When we come back, we're going to be talking with folks from Sam Now is one of the other films at Mountain Film this year. So, all right. Thanks for tuning in. We will be back in one moment.
right, Kodo listeners, we are back and we have Reed Harkness, who is going to be joining us as soon as Zoom starts audio things going. <laughs> um, all right. Hi, Hello. Reed. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Perfect. Hey, Reed. Hey, Reed. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for joining on um, Kodo this evening. You can also hear the voices of Susan Braza and Sage Martin in the studio as well. Um, and we are here to chat about your film, Sam Now, which is a U.S. premiere. Ooh, and Jason Reed is joining as well, so we're going to let him in too. Um, but as we're getting going... Um, big question, but do you mind just giving a little bit of a um, description of what the film Sam Now is all about? Sure. Hi. Um, Sam Now is a almost lifelong project. It's 25 years in the making. Um, it features my younger half-brother Sam as we try to track down his missing mother, my stepmother, Joyce. And we go on a multi-thousand mile road trip down the west coast looking for her um it's filmed on nearly every format um it's a big life journey but uh, a lot of fun too yeah i know i thought that was um it's a it's a beautiful movie i i was saying to suzanne before we started it kind of like hit me in all the feels <laughs> um it's really um it's a really beautiful film and you know, I, I wonder for you as being both a um, the person behind the camera, but also a subject in the film. Like this is your family. There's even a moment in the film where you're filming yourself as a younger person and saying, "I'm gonna hate watching this back <laughs> of myself." So I'm I'm curious, you know, what that was like for you to um, be in both of those kind of as the objective documentarian kind of, but then also the person living this experience as well. Yeah, I'm definitely more comfortable behind the camera, as you can see in the film. Um, Sam is mostly the subject of the film and, you know, just has such a lighthearted energy. He's so playful and and he's always taking falls and then like somehow bouncing right back up. So he just was like kind of natural for being on camera where I feel like I'm a little more vulnerable and uh, and maybe um, wear my emotions on my sleeve a little bit and in, in the scene you're describing. Yeah, it's definitely like one of those moments, um, you know, where I'm, I'm addressing my family and I'm like, it's, re it's really <laughs> very uncomfortable. <laughs> but um, I think that um, I learned very early on that like that, that was a necessary part of, uh, of the story and, and of, the, of the family dynamic you know, um, what's going on for me in that moment becomes very important in the, the narrative. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, it is, it is an interesting film because, as you mentioned, it, I will say watching it, it didn't necessarily go where I anticipated it to go. It, I was, I guess, maybe more thinking of like a, not a whodunit, but kind of a like, let's find this person that has gone missing from our lives. And then um, it turns into so much more than that. And really this um, exploration of how we engage with family and relationships and how we heal or move on or deal with trauma and how people have engaged towards us and then how people have engaged towards them. Um, do you feel like you, did you expect to make the film that you ended up making when you started, if that makes sense? No, absolutely not. And that was a very good description. I mean, it is, um, it is a deep dive that keeps diving. And, and at the same time, I think it, it holds on to its own, um, style and its own kind of, Genre. I say that only because the filmmaking that you know starts the film is all fictional, and um, it's all very like wrapped up in you know um, my brothers and I playing and just like enjoying the the feeling of of, of making a movie. So <clears throat> that leads us down this um, 
you know, this, this family dysfunction thing, which is maybe not truly dysfunction. Maybe all families are dysfunctional. So maybe it's just looking at something that is very normal for families, but, um, but we do it in a creative way using our kind of like youthful tools and, uh, and we get somewhere with it. We actually are able to, um, you know, find these places where we can kind of open things up and, and make things happen. You know, I've been following this film for a long time, as as uh, Reed and Jason both know. I love this film, and um, I think what I've what's always I keep coming back to with it that just draws me so deeply into this story is, yes, it has the family dysfunction that we all have, but there's so much love, familial love. There's so much playfulness, like you're talking about, just like this. Y'all, when you see this film, they've got footage from when they were like six years old and they're just like making superhero movies and it's just so charming and so beautiful and you just get wrapped up in their whole um, their whole playfulness and this sibling love. And so to me, it's almost like that whole thing of like you do the work, but only the love will show. Like at the end, you're just left with so much, so much respect and, and so much awareness of how much they love each other as a family. And it's, it's just a mind-blowingly great film. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, was, I shed a lot of tears watching this film a lot. It was so beautiful and so emotional. So congratulations on your film. And I was really touched. And maybe you could talk a little bit more about the Blue Panther and how that kind of theme went throughout. And it, it was very touching kind of the longer it went on because it, it, it seemed more like a coping mechanism mm. as it, um, as it progressed. And it was, yeah, it made me cry and it was so beautiful. So I'm so thrilled to have your film at mountain film. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about the blue Panther. Thank you both. Yeah. The blue Panther is Sam's alter ego that he created when he was probably like nine or 10. Um, I remember him, <clears throat> going into his room and pulling some things out of a costume box, uh, a wetsuit and a, a wrestling mask, and then and then running out and um, almost like Chuck Norris, you know, just like attacking uh, my brother Jared and I, and we just, you know, we're on the floor laughing. <laughs> it was just, you know, the silliest and funnest thing ever. Um, but we used the Blue Panther as <clears throat> basically a way for us to approach the sort of difficult themes in the movie. Um, it's not us going on a trip to find our missing mom. It's the Blue Panther who's going on the trip to find his missing mom. So um, in that way, we are making a movie about the, 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 the trying thing, you know, um, and therefore it becomes an adventure and something fun to do. Um, so <clears throat> that's sort of the spirit of Sam now is just like, you know, we're approaching things very much, um, in our own way. It's our own style of <laughs> approaching the world. And, um, it's also very personal, you know, it's like, uh, <clears throat> we're sharing something that while on the surface, you know, has a mask and a costume and is, is, you know, superhero like, but, um, Really, what's going on is 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 a coping mechanism, like you said. It's a way for us to to process this heavy stuff. Yeah, you know, I thought it was really beautiful in the film. You talk with the whole family on like all sides of all the families, you know. And there's a point um, at the very beginning where Sam says, "Well, I should just start with interviewing people." Um, about kind of what happened. And so you have both your dad, your grandparents, then Joyce's family, who is slightly estranged from everybody and has a is, appears to have a very interesting relationship. Um, and, you know, Joyce and all these different people who are having a different experience of this family unit... And I'm curious how, you know, at, with keeping that, that sibling love was very front and center, I think, the whole way through, but how you 
kind of navigated and and balanced bringing all those different experiences that together that were important to kind of tell this whole story. I'll start and then um, Jason, who's here, who's a producer and also an editor on the film, can fill in some of the the funner aspects of, of putting it all together. But it, it's the story is really a one thing leads to the next um, progression where it's like, okay, we're going to make a film about finding a missing mom, right? And then, well, how are we going to do that? You know, so we need to interview people. Okay, who are we going to interview? Uh, you know, uh, everything just kind of follows sort of the natural mystery of, um, you know, what you need to do to, to find somebody. Um, and then from there, it keeps, it keeps going. Um, it keeps diving because the questions reveal and bring up even bigger questions. Um, so everybody plays a role in family. <laughs> um, and I think that it was important to me to really try to capture like the whole structure, you know, and that means not just like, you know, the nuclear family, but it's, you know, my extended family and it's the, the blended family that's here and it's, it's um, the generations. So, you yeah. know, snapshot of generations is just like um, so key to this movie. Yeah, I mean, that's what was one of the incredible things we did was just covering all, talking to all these people. And there's hundreds of hours of interviews and footage with the family. There's all of the VHS archives of the family. There's these incredible fictional films that he filmed with his, with his family and, you know, shot over 25 years. And so as an editor, it was both a huge daunting task, but also a great joy to like work with basically Reed's life life's work and all of these different formats and things and figuring out all the different layers of the story and how they all piece together into a narrative in 86 minutes that actually, you know, takes you from this point of Sam as a young kid all the way up to a fully grown man dealing with, you know, the traumas that he dealt with as a young man and coming to terms with them. And we're, we're just so excited to share this film with the mountain film audiences, you know, having come to mountain film and Telluride multiple times with previous films. I just know the audiences there are going to connect with this film. And I think one of the really cool things about this film showing its audiences for the first time recently is that it sparks conversation and it, it forces people to relate back to themselves traumas or things that their family has gone through and this is such a relatable story that can speak to everybody and we really look forward to the conversations that are going to come out of this film and the Q&A's with uh, Reed and I and some of our other filmmaking partners on this project being there and and we hope that this film can you know bring a lot of skeletons out of the closets of other families so they can actually talk about you know what's been going on and have some sort of healing or at least acknowledgement of things that have happened so yeah, I know. I very much had to, I finished watching it and then I was like, I need to sit for a minute and like think about some things. <laughs> um, I'm curious, you know, Jason, from your perspective of, you know, this not being your family, but being very much in it through all of the footage that, that you watched and then read as this being your family experience. What do you feel or do you feel like you've learned anything new about what, family means or what those kinds of relationships mean um having been through and, and put this film together mm, yeah wow, that's a big question yeah i mean for, you have one minute me, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well what, what's really interesting is reed and i grew up together around the corner from each other so i knew him and his family personally um so you know i i am really close to this story and i'm probably the only person who's watched like every frame of everything that <laughs> reed has shot um it certainly makes me think about a lot of things that have happened in my family. And, um, you know, it, uh, gosh, I don't know. It, I, I just feel like it brings up a lot of things that are often go unsaid. And I think it's important to say these things. And that's what's so great about what Reed did is he used this film as a vehicle for conversation uh, to open up the conversation within his own family and to try to get to a place of, healing or at least understanding um and i feel like 
I feel like I've had a lot of conversations when I showed my family that it really opened up a lot of portals to things that maybe we hadn't talked about all the way. Um, and I think that it does the same for other people that we've shared this with. Uh, Marie, I'll throw to you. Yeah, yeah. I started this movie uh, as a teenager. Um, I have four kids now. And um, I am, you know, uh, uh, like always learning from them. And <clears throat> every every situation is is new. And I don't know if there's like ever any understanding of family. You know, <laughs> you're just constantly learning and growing uh, as a family. Um, but in doing such a like deep kind of meditative journey on, on family through, you know, this long, long-term project, um, like really the things that I see that are the takeaways are that like, um, you know, don't ignore shit. Like really be, be present and like, uh, get this stuff out that needs to get out because it's going to come back and haunt you if you don't. And, um, you know, um, roles are, are important. Um, the, the parent roles, mother, father are, you know, clearly like just very fundamental things, um, that, shouldn't be taken for granted for one thing, but then also, you know, there's things like you, you can, you can choose your family, you know, you can, sometimes um, those roles can be filled um, in other ways. And I, I think that the bottom line is that nurture, um, compassion and all the sort of building blocks of like early childhood adapting are just like, are so key and those things like like if you have traumas within those years um you're gonna have to work at them for for probably your whole life so um the sooner that you know any of us can help to to um metabolize to like get stuff to the surface to start feeling our feelings <laughs> um to start sharing our feelings uh I, really the better off that it ripple effects out to all of society. So it's like, I, I just, I can see from my family story, like what a difference it makes to not just, to, not just in making a film about something that is traumatic, but in working to sort of help my, my brothers really, um, I can see how that made a difference. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful film. And I know that everyone's so excited to, to have it here and to have y'all here to, to speak about it. So I really appreciate you coming on Kodo this evening to, to give a little teaser on what folks can expect. And yeah, congratulations on the film. We'll see you in two weeks. I uh, can't wait. See you in Telluride. Yay. <laughs> Bye y'all. Thank you. Thanks. Ah. Uh, if that didn't make everybody want to watch that film, yeah, <laughs> it's so beautiful. So and just, I mean, we didn't even like fully touch on it, but just the a little, we did a little bit, but like the film style of, oh, yeah. Yeah. you're so much, like you can't over say how much amazing archive, also like nostalgia yeah. for like seeing yeah. VHS mm -hmm. quality film is just, it's so beautiful. Um, Coda listeners, that was uh, Reed Harkness and Jason Reed from the film Sam Now, which will be at Mountain Film this year. You were tuned into KOTO Telluride. We're talking all things Mountain Film. We're gonna we're quickly running out of time, of course, because that always happens. Um, we're gonna be back in just one moment with Julian Rubenstein talking about the Holly. Thank you so much for tuning into KOTO Telluride.
Dakota listeners. We're, we're bopping back in. We're still waiting for our final guest. Um, so in the, in the meantime, we'll time. keep talking. We're talking about Mountain <laughs> Film and all things Mountain Film. We are talking about all things Mountain Film. I will say, um, so far, it's been, based off of what we've seen from the two films we've talked to, looking good it's, <laughs> it's looking like it's gonna be a good festival it is it amazing. is the films are fantastic i mean obviously every year they're they're great and um it's like hard to choose which child you like the most like which year but i i have to say this year i don't know if it's because people have had so many so much time to make these films but they are ready like these these filmmakers have been working on these films, editing these films, just like making them just right. And they are they are ready to come out into the world. Yeah. Do you, I remember um, from last year, I think Matt asked, I think Suzanne, you were the one saying this, that there was a lot of um, like um, animation or there was maybe more animation than you've typically oh, seen yeah. and, and you were hypothesizing it was That's because right. people were in lockdown. <laughs> um, do you feel like there are themes or through lines that you are noticing by watching a lot of these films or watching these films that kind of have parallels with each other this year? You know, well, there's not much animation this year, funnily <laughs> enough, but, but I think that whole thing of human connection and contact just mm-hmm. kind of seems like it's kind of, it's come up as a, as a theme that we saw a lot of. And, and I think it's because people are starving are starved for that. So there's just a lot of that sort of very intimate person-person intimacy. Yep, I would agree. Yeah. Um, I know we also wanted to talk about a little... Well, so diving into a couple different things. Um, there is also the um, online festival. This is a This is a COVID pivot that is yeah. seeming, at least for this year, sticking, sticking with. Um, what will the online festival portion look like this year? Well, one thing that's different this year is like we really want to focus on the in-person festival as the mothership. Like that is who we are. And um, the after the film festival is being is just that. It's like after the festival, we're hoping that that will be a chance for people to pick up on things that they miss so they don't have so much FOMO out there like, oh my God, I got to see it all. And of course, we it's still it's important because there are people that can't make it to Telluride for whatever for whatever reason. So we we are excited to be able to offer that, but we're like slowly like bringing it back to what we do best is in community in Telluride, Mountain Film in person with those connections. So um, we're really hoping that people will come enjoy Mountain Film in person. Yeah. And if you can't make it and you're out of town, the online festival will work great for you. Yeah, it's and still it's a there wonderful access point for people who can't necessarily afford to come to Telluride, fly here, and lodging, and so um, we appreciate having that and having audiences all around the world. On that note, Mm -hmm. if people are listening and they're like, dang it, I want to (laughs) go, can they still come? Yeah, Yeah, we still have passes for sale, and um, so you can go to mountainfilm.org to purchase passes, and we also offer $100 off of any pass for students and teachers, that's K through 12 students. If you're in college, we'd love to have you volunteer. So come to our website, check it out, and we still have passes available. Amazing. Um, Suzanne, you said that every year you don't like to pick your favorite child of what you're... I'm not going to do it. Don't well, ask me to do well it. I'm not going to ask you to say which has been your favorite festival year, mm. but I am going to ask you, what do you think? Is there a film that you... I mean, obviously, people are going to be seeing all of these new, or most of them new. Um, one that you think is maybe a smaller film that maybe fewer people will go to for whatever reason that you're like, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't miss out on that one because it's uh, going to be so good. Question. Well, let's see. There are a couple films that are very much like quintessential mountain film, bum, bum, bum. things like um, Exposure, which is about an all women team. Of, of adventures from women from all over the world. That's very much a mountain film film. Pasong, Pasong. Mm-hmm. 
um, is about a Nepalese female climber taking a, doing expeditions up Everest. Um, chasing. Chasing, about a, a race across the Atlantic, a rowing race. So those are like three that immediately come to mind that, that just kind of, that sort of have that mountain film adventure edge. Of course, I have to say, close to my heart, I'm, I'm sort of like the social justice and environment kind of uh-huh. person. So, um, like I say, it's just really hard to say because I love all the films, <laughs> all the films, like just the Surf Nation and um, and Sam, now that we spoke to today, um, they're, they're just so fantastic and we're so blessed to have the world premiere for Surf Nation and um, the U.S. premiere for Sam now and Chasing. And yeah, the Holly's the world premiere. That's a Colorado story um, about a neighborhood in Denver that most people would just be like, wow, I had no idea this story happened. And um, Chasing, the one we just talked about, the rowing race across the Atlantic. It's It's a British film. They're coming. And that one is also a world premiere. Do you feel like, um, obviously, mountain film has these films that are just, like, about high adrenaline, like, impressive feats that I will never do? (laughs) Um, But there are also these films that are small, smaller in terms of maybe telling smaller stories, but equally as impactful stories. Mm-hmm. Um, from from your perspective of, of curating the films, but then also thinking about, like, what does mountain film mean? What do we want mountain film to be? Um, do you see shifts in kind of what that film makeup is or, or how you view um, the, the small canon of films that you bring each year? I think I'll let you answer this question. <laughs> I, I think that every year is so different and it's such a beautiful thing to look at all the films that come in each year but I think that um, you know Suzanne has brought a different perspective as the festival director she curates and picks all the films with the team and um, I think there's been a lot more um, social justice films and a lot more thought about women filmmakers both in front and behind the camera and I think that that has really resonated with our audiences so that's just a shift in in what's happening in the world and um, it's been really beautiful for mountain film yeah I mean I I think that that definitely has been a big goal for the festival team is being sure that we have diverse voices telling stories and and being the subject of stories I mean obviously mountain film started as a very white dude broha let's go conquer that mountain um but but sport has changed and and adventure has changed and just trying to honor different people and different voices that are that are telling stories and living experiences so that then we as a community as a mountain film community can um can also take that in and realize that the world really is changing do you see um in in y'all's roles obviously in what you choose to bring um impacts what folks see but also do you hope or or see a space to say that by mountain film bringing these films that you are hoping to maybe um encourage other of those films to be told like if that makes sense find kind of you know bringing the films but then also by bringing them encouraging those stories to be told more because there is a market for it. Definitely over the last few years, there's been more funding opportunities, just, just more of an outlet for people to, to tell these stories. And um, that's, that's something that we're really have been excited about. Yeah, and we do end up being a platform for those hidden gems that come out and sometimes they end up being festival favorites. So um, I think those resonate out after they have an impact here at Mountain Film. Yeah. No. We are, um, we, we maybe are, are missing our final guest. Yeah, I was or just we might reaching out to him. Br- bring in, in the final moments, we were going to, I know, well, I think we should talk about it a sure. little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this is the film, The Holly, which you uh, mentioned briefly already, um, that tells the story of, 
a neighborhood, but also people and how um, systems are sometimes set up to fail people um, in Denver, which I think, you know, as, as you've said, is it's heartbreaking and wonderful to see a story coming out of um, so close to home. Um, it's really it's really well told from journalist Julian Rubinstein, who he says at the beginning of the film, he was living, he's from Denver, originally was living in New York when he heard about this story um, of a man who was involved in gang activity as a young person, got out of that and has kind of recommitted his life to fighting against gang violence mm-hmm. and, you know, bring reducing violence in his neighborhood, the Holly um, in Denver and then um, ends up at a, a at a kind of the opening ceremony for a um, community center that he's he's working on. Ends up shooting a man who's also there, and the the story kind of investigates. Um, he he. I don't want to. I don't want to give spoilers. I, I know. Also, I'm like, like <laughs> oh, how do, what I do know. You say? How, how, what do, you what do we say, say no, next? Yeah. Uh, the story follows him. Um, he says it's self defense and. The, the meat of the story is, is looking at how um, law enforcement and gangs in Denver kind of have, and, you know, I think you can probably infer in other parts of the country as well, mm-hmm. have weirdly symbiotic relationships of kind of working together is, is, is what the, the reporting um, brings out. And I know I... I want to just say everything. I would, I w- if I'm honest, I, I spoiled the film for a couple people today because I was like, you just have to know because it's so good. Really, really well reported. Yeah. You also kind of rabbit holes into like, what is going on? Yeah, like who's telling the truth? What's happening? I mean, yeah, it's so, it's so fascinating. And then, um, you know, starts, you know, this incident took place in 2013 Mm -hmm. and then, you know, brings it up to now when things that are happening, um, you know, with Elijah McClain, um, protests and the like just last year, last year, two years ago, what is time? (laughs) Yeah. What is time anymore? It's a concept. Um, yeah. So uh, unfortunate we won't be able to, to speak with Julian this evening, but Will he be here? He he'll, is he'll coming be here for so the festival. Is, so is the main subject, Terrence. Yes. Who's the activist who is, the, it really does follow his story and what happens. So audiences are going to be, I don't know, it's going to be really wonderful. It's going to bring the, the house down. People are going to When he walks out on out. stage, it's yeah. going to bring the house down. Yeah. It's incredible. We're excited about that. And it's also, he also, there's also a book, The Holly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is going, is the town read. So I don't know if people know, but before Mountain Film, there's a town read where lots of people read the book and then come and watch the film. And so uh, this is the first time we've had a town read be a book that was made into a film. So it's there's a, a lot nice of connection. Lot going yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. So people, if they're interested, they can go by Wilkinson Public, Public Library and, and pick up the book as yeah. well. If you can't see the film, definitely read the book. If you don't have time to read the book, definitely watch the film. Or do both. Do both. Do yeah. both. <laughs> That's the best answer, yeah. Um, yeah, it's so, it's also, that one stuck with me. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So yep. very strong. That one's a world premiere too. I don't know if I already said yeah, that. But yeah, world premiere. Um, well, we are actively at the end of our time. Oh, These hours go by you. so quickly. Um, but Suzanne Braza, Sage Martin, both of Mountain Film. Any final thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with this evening? A final thought: Please bypass us. Support Mountain Film. You know, it's been two years of us kicking around the office. Like, what are <laughs> you know, we're trying to plan this big party. So, you know, don't forget about Mountain Film. We love you. You love us. Um, come enjoy Memorial Day weekend. We're ready to celebrate with our community again. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us tonight. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for being here. Koto listeners, thank you for tuning in to Off the Record, speaking all about Mountain Film, the, the beautiful festival that will be coming up. And it's not going to, well, I don't, it's knock on wood, it's going to be beautiful weather. I believe it. I believe it. Stash said it's going to be beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back next week with more Off the Record. And we will be back tomorrow with more news. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. 
Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas. Oh,